Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver now. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. Well then, you must be my two Brits. Kiss goodbye to civilization, cause you're coming with me. Let's go hunt a monster. Jerry was the single most cliché man in the whole of Alaska. The bright midday sun shone across his long grey hair which he tied back in a knot. He had a white beard that tickled his shirt and wore a leather waistcoat. He was the American wilderness man and knew everything there was to know about keeping alive miles away from any other human. He was the real deal. He had killed many a grouse, plucked the feathers with his bare hands, minced the meat without a mincer and made burgers with nothing but a campfire in his own hat. He had lopped the head off a moose with dental floss and hung its antlers on his cabin wall, a cabin, mind you, that he built himself over 30 years ago with no tools but his shotgun. He had wrestled a bear and won best out of three. He was nothing short of a guru, a hunter-gatherer man-man-man-man with the inability to love another human. The only thing that truly scared the living daylights out of Jerry were other humans in large human civilizations. You'd never see Jerry in a city. No, the urban jungle is one word too long for Jerry. Jerry is the wilderness man. Jerry is the go-to guy. Jerry is the Junker Junker Hunter. Bigfoot is a well-known creature, taking prime position in the Monster Hall of Fame, along with the Loch Ness Monster and the Yeti. But the lesser-known Junker Junker of Alaska is far more interesting. It's more interesting because of how not famous it is, and I'll explain why in a moment. The other great monsters of the world sprung to fame quickly in media storms, the most terrifying type of storm. People were going crazy for these mythical beasts, flocking in their hundreds to Loch Ness, for example, to try and get a piece of the action. One would be forgiven in believing that monsters had actually been created by the local tourist boards in order to drum up business. But the Junker Junker is different. Of all the monsters of the world, it's the most likely to be a real thing because of how unknown it is to common consciousness. When people spot the Junker Junker, they don't tell anyone. They don't utter a word of what they've seen to another soul for as long as they live. And why? Was the experience too horrific? Had they been made to stare their own fears in the face? Or was what they saw too outlandish, too unbelievable to be believed? It's when people can't speak about something that says everything. That is why the Junker Junker is real, and why it is never advised to try and find it. All other monsters? Just hype.
Jerry had collected the recently landed couple Herbert and Juliana in his truck from the nearest town. It was a small and strange collection of shacks that rarely saw tourists, apart from those who ventured into the wilderness with Jerry. They drove down a dusty road that led out of town, and Herbert was certain that he saw the locals stop and stare at them in the car as it made its way along. He was unnerved by the whole place, and wilderness or no wilderness, he just wanted to get away from such a backwater town. Herbert was less than pleased to be making the trip. But there are no actual sightings of the bloody thing, he said, as they were winding around the lesser roads to nowhere. That's exactly the point, Juliana said flatly. She's right, Jerry called from the wheel. Proves that it's real. People who experience something they know to be true don't need to go squealing it from the rooftops or on the hinterweb thingy. They don't need no validation. But how do we even know it exists? How will we even find it? A slight wobble of fear hung in Herbert's voice. The wilderness is bigger than the entirety of the United Kingdom. Oh, Herb, Herb, Herb. You don't find the Junker Junker in these parts. It finds you. Herbert gulped as the truck turned off the lesser road and onto a track. The truck thrashed about as it conquered the terrain and Herbert and Juliana were knocked about this way and that way inside the vehicle. Not far now. Herbert relaxed a little knowing that he could soon get out, stretch his legs and relax with a glass of wine next to a campfire. They had been travelling since 7am the previous day and he was positively exhausted. Then we walked to camp. Herbert's stomach hit the roof of his mouth as they flew over a bump on the track. Uh, how far? Herbert was hoping for the best. Not far. Herbert relaxed, imagining the taste of wine and the warmth of his sleeping bag. Only about 12 miles. 12 miles, Herbert said, trying not to break down, sobbing. 12 miles. You are certain you want to do this? Before Herbert could scream the word no, Juliana spoke. Yes. This is something I've... we've wanted to do for at least a year. At least. Just as the tree line gave away to the edge of the river Yukon, a clearing opened up. There were thick tyre tracks across the ground. No further by vehicle. The truck ground to a halt, and the three of them got out to load their bags onto their backs. Juliana was adamant that she would carry the most bags. She loaded up with three rucksacks while Jerry had one, and Herbert carried a knapsack with lunch. That's more weight than anyone should carry. I can do it. The three of them set off, walking along the riverbank. They'd follow it around the mountain in the distance, and there would be Jerry's camp, tucked away in its shadow. The first hour of walking gave spectacular views of the mountains, sweeping up and covered in evergreen trees. Occasionally, they'd see a bear track, but Jerry was ready with his gun and assured the two travellers that they'd be perfectly safe if he shot it before it attacked. Herbert had started to quite enjoy himself. He had never seen a landscape like it, not even in the Scottish Highlands. It was worth every moment of travel and every blister on his feet. Juliana was sweating. She was sweating as much as the river was gushing, and in truth... Her back had started to hurt, but she kept her mouth shut because she didn't want to seem weak. How long do you think it will take? Another four hours, I'd say, said Jerry, sticking a toothpick between his blackening teeth. Four? 
Four hours, said Herbert, getting a grip and just trying to focus on the sound of the river, which didn't help because it made him need a wee. Uh, No, not of walking. To spot the Junker Junker. Hard to say. Herbert, who had been bringing up the rear, dropped back to relieve his lavatory requirements in a bush. The other two didn't notice his absence. It's not entirely true, Jerry began, in his best storytelling voice, that no one has spoken about their Junker Junker Spartans. Really? Had a friend who saw it. Told me a totally terrifying tale. Herbert was out of sight of the other two and unzipped his walking trousers. He started to wee. The urine was coming out in spurts, which was strange, because he only ever got stage fright when he was weeing around other people, like in a public bathroom or a private bathroom with no lock on the door. He had the distinct feeling that he was being watched. Up ahead, Jerry was adding flavour to his story. He said that he was walking back to his cabin with his two dogs when he heard a strange noise coming from the darkness behind him. A noise that sounded like a wounded elk. He followed the noise to see what was making it and was led deep into the cover of the trees. If it was a wounded animal, it'd be an easy kill and would feed him for half a year, size dependent, of course. Wait, Jerry! Interrupted Juliana, looking around. Herbert's not here! Pointless telling the story unless Herbert's here. He sniffed the air like a dog. Herbert's wee was now free-flowing, but he was frozen solid and his bloodshot eyes were almost popping out of their sockets with horror. The beast stared back at him with gigantic, psychopathic eyes. Its claws were the length of kitchen knives and drool was dripping from its lips as it growled. It took another step forward. Herbert could smell its hot breath. Time stood stock still. Another step forward. The claws of the beast were now in arm's reach, and it was clear that it was about to pounce. Herbert couldn't move. There was total silence, apart from the splashing of urine around his feet. This was it. The brown bear leaned in and opened its jaws. Suddenly, an ear-splitting gunshot went off from behind him. It shocked him so much that he yelped at the same frequency as a whistle. Herbert turned on his heels and saw Jerry holding a rifle, smoke flowing up from its now empty barrel. Herbert was covered from head to toe in splatters of bear blood. It covered his face and his new walking clothes that he had bought for a substantial fee from the town's only hiking shop. He was beginning to hyperventilate with shock. Bear blood dripped from his nose, urine dripped onto the floor. For Christ's sake, Herbert, put yourself away. Jesus! Jerry gritted his teeth, looking the feeble man in the eye. Once Herbert had buttoned himself up, he looked at what was left of the bear, which, due to the proximity of the shot, wasn't much. And then back to Jerry. It, 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 it would have killed me. You're darn right, Herbie boy. Jerry replied, blowing the barrels of his rifle. Would have ate you whole and left nothing but the bones. You, you. Herbert was in shock. You, you. Herbert was still in shock. You, you, you. Yes. You, you, you killed it. I'm a natural born killer, Herb. Do unto others before they do unto you. That's what I say. Clean yourself up on the river. We'll wait for you. 
And don't leave the group without telling me again. Next time, you won't be so lucky. Later, still following the river, the three hikers battled over jagged rocks and muddy patches. The dusk was beginning to creep over the mountains like a blanket. Juliana hadn't backed down from carrying the three heavy rucksacks and had fallen slightly behind the other two with fatigue. Herbert used the opportunity to speak with Jerry, alone. Thank you. Uh, thanks for saving me earlier. It's my job. Jerry sucked on his pipe through leathery lips and blew a magnificent smoke ring into the air ahead. How certain were you that you wouldn't miss and hit me? I don't miss. Well, that's good. Means we're safe from the junker junker. (laughs) I'm all right, Jerry. I'm all right. You don't think it's real? Not at all. I don't believe in any of these things. Monsters. But Herb, monsters is very real. Monsters is all around us all the time. They is just good at hiding themselves. Well, metaphorically speaking, I suppose. There was a slight pause. Then Jerry spoke with a tone that shook Herbert to the very core. Oh, Herb. The Junker Junker is very real. And it's more terrible than you could ever imagine. Look. Let me level with you here. I really don't think we should be here doing this. Miles from anywhere. I mean, we could die and no one would ever be able to find us. Hunting for a mythical creature that I know nothing about. And and it's dangerous. I mean, what if I died back there? Jerry just kept smoking his pipe and blowing smoke rings that would blow the socks off Gandalf. We'll be there in about half an hour. Cabin's just around that band. Great. Herbert watched the last of the sunlight dance across the river as it gushed past. Listen, Jerry, I'll be honest. Juliana and I are not on the best terms. I say this only because I don't think this trip will solve anything. The truth is, we lost our son. Well, our son passed away last year. I am sorry to hear that. Herbert felt as though he was starting to get through to Jerry. I was driving him home from his music lesson. He wasn't wearing his seatbelt. It was horrible. It was worse than any bear or or monster or wolf. And look, I just, I don't think Juliana is ready for this. I just feel as though she's booked this trip to run away. I feel like she hasn't begun to come to terms with her loss, you know, and as a mother. The hole inside her is so huge that I just think she's trying to fill it with a wild goose chase that she'll never have to finish because it doesn't exist. I just feel like what we need is to go back to the town tomorrow morning and not carry on with the charade, you know, just go to our villa in France. Chill. You're scared. No, that's not, and I get it. But you pay me for a service, and I am going to provide it. No, but it's, and you don't have to worry. You've seen how good my shot is. If I see that junker junker, I'll shoot it square between the eyes and hang its head on my wall. (laughs) They don't call me Jerry the Junker Junker Hunter for nothing. Herbert gave up trying to convince Jerry this time and decided that he would try again later. 
Jerry would come round once Herbert's words had sunk in. Juliana? You okay? Juliana was hunched beneath the bags and looked like she was in some pain. Yes! She wailed back. Shall I carry the bags? No, thanks! The cabin was like a utopia as it emerged from behind the bend. It was sublime, and Herbert felt that he had died and gone to heaven. Rest, food, and wine. Finally. Jerry went round lighting lanterns. He did have a generator for electric lighting, but it was reserved just for internet access to book clients, as carrying fuel to the cabin was only really possible in summer and by boat. Herbert was amazed at how comfortable the place was. It had two floors and a storage container outside on metal stilts to stop the bears getting to it as it was filled with all the food a weary traveller could ever want. The sun disappeared completely behind a mountain. The cold whipped through the valley like a tidal wave. Jerry had lit a roaring campfire where they would eat and drink and then get a good night's sleep before heading further into the wilderness the next day. On the menu was spaghetti bolognese, which Herbert was extremely pleased about. He had expected a bland stew of some sort, but in actual fact was eating better than he had done for a while. Jerry cooked it on a stove inside and then returned with tin plates heaped with the stuff. He was pleased when he found out that the mince was elk. He had never eaten elk before. That was another meat to tick off his list. The spaghetti was coated in lard, which made it rich and delicious. Herbert was quite enjoying himself now, and had begun to forget about the incident earlier with the bear. Juliana barely said a word as they were waiting for food. She just sat and drank her wine slowly and calmly. Disconcertingly calmly. Herbert was beginning to get slightly worried about her. She seemed to be far away. Just as Herbert was full upon pasta and beginning to feel slightly drunk, Juliana spoke. Tell us about the Junker Junker. Now we are all here to hear it. She said, giving Herbert a stony glance. Oh thought Herbert. That's why she's off with me. She's annoyed that I went for a piss without telling them. She was scared for my life. Oh, bless. Herbert put an arm around her and felt her slightly recoil. So he gripped her a little harder and let her know that he was there, alive and okay. Well, said Jerry over the flames, happened to a friend a few years ago. Light flashed and danced over his white beard like a ballet. He swigged his whiskey and smoked his pipe subconsciously, and continued. He was out hunting, late in the afternoon, and it was starting to go dark. He had his two dogs with him. Protections from the bears, see? They'd howl like anything as soon as smell one, giving him enough time to load his rifle and have the thing kapow! Dead in the blink of an eye. He was walking back through the woods, quickly, and feeling kind of low. He hadn't killed anything, which meant another meal of rice and tin tuna. Before long, he started smelling a rancid smell, like rotten flesh that had been sprayed by a skunk. It was nasty. Suddenly, his dog stopped and looked behind. He was keen to get home quickly because it would be dark pretty soon and he didn't like being home later than dusk, for obvious reasons. 
tingles shot down Herbert's spine like a log flume, and the fire crackled. Before he knows it, the dogs shoot off into the woods, faster than he can chase after them. He calls for them, but it's too late. They disappeared. Starts to make out to find them, but suddenly he heard a sound from behind him. Sounded like a wounded elk and close. He thought he had some chance to get some good meat. A wounded elk would be an easy kill. He knew his dogs would be back, so he decided to make the most of the situation and get the elk, see? Juliana was enjoying the story and seemed to be getting a bit excited. Herbert wondered why she had suddenly started lapping up all of this monster stuff. He had never known her to be the type, despite her claims that it had been a lifelong dream to hunt the Junker Junker, a creature which, up until a few months ago, he'd never heard of. As he turns to see where the wounded elk is, the smell gets far worse. So worse that he wanted to puke, like a smell coming from hell itself. The creature started howling, and that's when he realized that was no wounded elk. It was something he had never heard before. Jerry was now leaning in, making the story more intense. When he saw it, he dropped his rifle to the ground, screamed and leapt back in terror. His heart was pounding in fear as he found himself staring into the big, hot, glowing yellow eyes of the Junker Junker itself. It had huge fangs dripping with blood and saliva and looked like a mountain lion, but it was walking upright like a man. Then it howled again and his skin nearly jumped off his body in fear. Herbert started to squint. He had heard this story before, he was sure of it. My friend ran as fast as he could back through the woods. The Junker Junker was hot on his heels. Next thing I know, he's banging on my door. That door, right there. Jerry pointed a long and bony finger to the door of his cabin. I slammed the door in the face of the Junker Junker before I got a good look at it. The door was shuddering under the weight of the attacking beast. I did the only reasonable thing a Christian would do. I grabbed my Bible and started reading aloud from the Psalms. And upon hearing the holy words, the Junker Junker stopped its attack on my door and disappeared back into the woods. My friend spent the rest of the night here. When he went home next day, he found his dogs huddled in the barn, shaken but luckily still alive. He never hunted after dark again. That's scary. The Junker Junker must be evil. That it is. That it is. And that's why I have to kill it. That which is evil must be killed in the name of the Lord. Herbert kept his mouth shut. He had certainly heard the story before, he was sure. It was the story of the Wampus Cat, a mythical beast that hailed from Tennessee, nowhere near Alaska. He knew it so well because the tale of the wampus cat was his brother's favourite story when they were growing up. All Jerry had done was change the name to Junker Junker, added a few embellishments like the elk and 
added himself into the story. Almost laughable, really. Herbert decided then and there that the man was obviously a fraud. And so was the Junker Junker, for that matter. The whole thing had fast become a horrid, bear-ridden, wolf-howling nightmare, and he wanted to be heading home first thing in the morning. decided not to mention the wampus cat, although he would do to Juliana later, when he would convince her to leave with him in the morning. He excused himself to go to the toilet. The wine had gone right through him and it was time to tinkle again. Don't go making friends with a big brown again. Oh, <laughs> I might just be. <laughs> the spag bowl was rich. <laughs> Herbert's joke was met with silence. Second door on the right, behind the cabin. Herbert walked in the glow of his flashlight around the back of the cabin. There were two doors tucked away. He knew that Jerry had emphatically instructed it was the second door, but curiosity got the better of him. When he opened the first door to have a peek, it was dark. He shone his flashlight around the large wood-panelled room, illuminating trophy heads. Like you might see of deer or elephants or or any other animal that game hunters like to murder. There were no elk heads here. No bear heads. Not even a wild cat. They were all... human. All staring straight forward with marbles in place of eyes. Herbert looked around in disbelief. His heart was racing. He didn't know what to think. He threw up. Rich, barely digested bolognese covered the floor, filled with long, wormy pieces of spaghetti. There were heads of men and women, old and young. It didn't feel real. It was like something from a horror story. And yet, he couldn't escape the dreadful feeling that it was real. His head was racing and he could barely keep standing as he thought about how he and Juliana would escape from this from this serial killer. When Herbert came back to the campfire, he was calm, and although paler than usual, he did his best to seem normal. Only Jerry was sat at the campfire. Um, where's Juliana? Herbert kept his composure. She's just gone inside, sorting through those three bags she's got. Yeah, she doesn't know the meaning of packing light. Herbert plastered a faux grin across his face. His plan was this. Act normal. Tell Juliana what he had seen. Steal Jerry's gun and run away. Simple. Just about the only thing he could think of. Before Herbert got a chance to sit down, Jerry spoke the last words Herbert would ever want to hear. Saw my trophy collection, did you? Herbert gasped. His throat dried up and he couldn't speak. I did say second door, but oh well. Can't unsee it, I suppose. Herbert was frozen to the spot. Do unto others before they do unto you. Jerry raised his gun in Herbert's direction. Because you was going to try and steal my gun. 
So I got it on you first. Herbert was thinking only of Juliana. He wondered where she was, wondered how on earth they would make it out alive, realised that she might already be dead. His thoughts sprang to the memory of Jake, their little boy, tried to think of happy thoughts of when Jake was alive, tried to make himself feel as though his life had been perfect before that. Was life even worth living now? Sit down. Jerry's gun was still pointed at Herbert. On that chair with the armrests. As he spoke, Juliana appeared from inside the cabin, holding two of her three bags. I'm here. I was just grabbing these. Juliana, find a gun. She was far too calm. She approached Herbert, the gun still pointing directly at his nose, and attached his wrists to the chair with cable ties. She then used a belt to wrap around his waist and secure him to the backrest. What are you doing? She didn't reply. What's going on? What's going on? Silence. Juliana took the two bags and tipped their contents on the ground in front of him. To his amazement, it was the entire contents of his wardrobe. This is me getting as close to throwing all of your clothes out of a window like they do in the movies. What? I don't understand. I took Jake dying badly. So did I. Of course, we both did. There was a long silence. She's my best friend, Herbert. Really. If you were going to have an affair, that's one thing. But with my best friend. And to think I wouldn't find out. Herbert didn't know what to say. It's just... Yes? It's just... You became so... Distant. You killed our son! You were driving too recklessly and you didn't make him wear his fucking seatbelt! You killed him! Look, just let me out. Let's go home and let's talk this through. This whole trip was a bad idea. I knew it from the start. I can explain if you only let me out of these fucking guys! Too late. What the fuck is going on, please? The barrel of the gun was now only inches from Herbert's nose. Maybe I can help. Perhaps I can shed some light on the matter. Herbert was shaking, and sweat was spilling from his temples like a wrung-out sponge. Perhaps I should start by saying that the Junker Junker is real. I don't give a fuck about the fucking Junker Junker! But Herb... You are the Junker Junker. Herbert fell silent. Even his whimpering stopped. The Junker Junker is a monster that no one talks about. The Junker Junker is evil. You heard Juliana here say it herself before. The Junker Junker will be killed and will have its head mounted on my wall. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. 
And after all, I am Jerry the Junker Junker Hunter. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I let you free. You're... You're a hired assassin. Tears filled Herbert's mouth. That's right. In the wilderness, people die all the time. And their bodies are never found. <laughs> it's a foolproof business model. Juliana, please. I'm sorry. I love you. Please. Herbert was dead before he heard the gunshot roll through the mountains. If anyone was anywhere close, which it was certain that they wouldn't be, they would assume that it was just a hunter. In the wilderness, anything goes. Herbert's head, wearing a glazed expression with marbles in place of eyes, can now be seen on Jerry's wall between Mary, who jilted Simon at the altar, and James, the teacher who was a little too close to his kindergarten class. The rest of Herbert made a particularly rich bolognese. And if you ever need the services of Jerry, the Junker Junker Hunter, you'll be able to contact him through his Alaskan Junker Junker Tours website, and when his generators are running and he's online by GPS, he'll get straight back to you. Jerry is the wilderness man. Jerry is the go-to guy. Jerry is the Junker Junker Hunter. The Junker Junker Hunter was narrated by Arthur McBain. The parts of Jerry and Herbert were voiced by Owen Jenkins. And Juliana was voiced by the wickedly talented Emma Ballantyne. Alright, Arthur, so, next, what's next? What's the title? Don't give too much away. What is the title? Without giving too much away? Yeah. The audition. <laughs> what's it about? Well, I can actually say that this is based on an audition that I went to a few years ago. Loosely. Very loosely. Very loosely, I'd hope so, because it's absolutely grotesque going. <laughs> well, giving too much away now, Arthur. You just have to find but it's, out. It's also quite funny, though, as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got some great voice actors in this one. It's going to be a treat. We'll see you then. Cube's theme tune. <laughs>